listening to City's Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations. I'm your host, Rick Enlow, and I'm here with Leadership Foundation President Dave Hillis. And Dave, Happy New Year. Rick, Happy New Year to you. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can't believe, you know, it, it was, everybody was going to just see 2020 in the rearview mirror, mm. and we were just going to move on, and it was going to be so different, and it seems a lot the same, but, you know, hey. There's there's a chance that it could it could emerge, but uh, there's a, uh, the 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 operative word so far is variant, you know. And I'm thinking, okay, isn't well, that the truth? Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot for that idea. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I hope you're doing well. I am. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think you. Uh, yeah, you bringing up 2020 um, and <laughs> wanting to put that behind me as quickly as I can, and yet uh, 2021 here, at least in the. Uh, first week or so of the new year does not appear to be uh, letting us do that. And it's going to have, I think, its own set of uh, variables that could be, you know, I mean, let's hope and pray, but could yeah. be quite, quite difficult. This year. Well, you know, here's the thing, Dave, it's job security, because it seems to me <laughs> that we need leadership more than ever. And since we're uh, we're talking uh, from and, a platform and a, and a foundation, yeah. yes, yeah, about no, leadership foundations, yes, this is <laughs> this is perfect. So uh, we're grateful to have the opportunity. Um, now, it certainly was, I think, um, kind of more insightful than uh, than we can actually be uh, when we talked about um, our, the kind of our whole series was about reactive, non-reactive leadership. But you know, um, instead of responding or reacting, that Jesus. And uh, and those who lead like him uh, yeah. uh, come from a place of of, of non reactive leadership, and that was incredibly timely for <clears throat> you know last year. Yep. Yeah. In fact, um, it's interesting that you again bring that up, uh, and it's right to do so in part because we spent so much time on it last year. But I, I want to insert a, a comment from one of our listeners that I thought, uh, well, actually continues to uh, sort of percolate within me, Rick. And mm-hmm. he, he said this, he called up and he said, um, hey, you know, I love Sidious Playground podcast, um, but I've really been wrestling with this idea of non-reactive. And I said, well, good. I mean, you know, expecting he's going to give us an affirmation, like he's really <laughs> kind of, gra- he says, I, I think we need to be reactive. And, uh, I said, really? He said, yeah, I mean, think about just the sheer injustice around us. You know, sure. Think about the uh, kind of um, cruel things that are taking place. I mean, if there's ever been a time to react, now is the time to react. And we ended up having a, <clears throat> a really good uh, conversation because what I said to him, Rick, quickly was, this was never meant to be inactive. Right. right? In other words, it's not reactive or inactive. The notion is that to not be reactive is to not allow the toxicness that you are engaging, that you're taking on, uh, to be a dictate to the kind of things that you will do. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're still going to do something. You're absolutely going to be active. uh, But to do it in a way that you're not steered, right? You're not moved. You're not... um, you know, in some ways, not in control of, of the kind of things that will really bring about justice moving forward. So I wanted to insert that here at the beginning because I, I uh, understand the power of language and mm-hmm. how easy it is, you know, to hear something 
uh, maybe not in the way that it was intended. And, uh, right. and I wanted to, to make that statement here at the beginning. Yeah, and well, it's important to, to uh, you know, give that uh, more definition because it really we were talking about um, the tendency to reciprocate uh, right. and, and the, versus, you know, to act not in a reactive way. So it, it's That's definitely right. still an, an action. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, this discussion we had about um, a group of us that were involved in, in making decisions, you know, kind of a council or a, kind of a board level uh, mm-hmm. group. And then we, we kind of transitioned from a deciding group to a discerning group. Hmm. And uh, it took us, it's taken us some time, but we, We've, I think it was a really healthy move because it was a, it was a non-reactive move. We yeah. were just deciding, you know, based on data and, you know, almost like a reaction to what we thought was up instead of saying, well, we're still going to make decisions. That's right. But in a discerning way, instead of a sort of more mathematic or, you know, like, uh, well, in my view, kind of a less uh, spiritual way. And so yeah. I think that's a little bit of part uh, of what we were talking about as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and which has then also caused me to think a bit about, um, yes, we don't want to be reactive. Uh, we don't want to be inactive. Uh, what kind of resource or tools do we have, you know, at our disposal by which to, you know, navigate uh, these times? And, of course, one of the things you and I have talked about before in this podcast is something, you know, that was uh, said by um Earl Palmer, that that which goes you know deepest to the heart goes farthest to the world. Mm-hmm. And what it's caused me to think about a bit uh, is another way to say that, and it's been something that we've been kicking around here at Leadership Foundations, is this notion of uh, what we're calling traditioned innovation. And <clears throat> we put those two words together uh, in part, I think, Rick, because one of the things that 2020 has taught me is that um, there is so much um, moving, going on, changing day to day. The notion of being able to innovate in every single situation would just simply be exhausting. Um, I, I don't think it's a sustainable model. But to go deep to a tradition, right? To maybe recover things that have always been around and then to move them into the current context uh, in innovative ways, all of a sudden it begins to kind of help me go, that's a way that we can, um, I think, navigate these, uh, these days, these uh, you know, moments in front of us. And so uh, it's, I've had some <clears throat> kind of interesting moments to, for example, you know, take a tradition like the scripture, uh, its importance, its authority, but think about it uh, in ways that uh, I don't think, you know, Paul was thinking about it uh, mm-hmm. when he wrote it, you know, uh, back in those days. Well, that in effect becomes a kind of innovation, right? right. Um, a way to apply it fresh and new. And so you get the both, the best of both, which I think um, gives us a little bit of a, you know, a foundation. You know, I think one of the um, you introduced me to Ray Bakke back in the day and had a chance to visit Ray's house with you and all that. And Mm -hmm. and then recently um, I had a chance to read uh, sort of his Advent 
uh, letter. And, you know, he talked yeah. about, uh, you know, and, and once again, I was reminded how Ray reads the scripture, uh, you know, as a treatise to uh, urbanites. I mean, like he believes that, you know, I mean, and, and, and it's right there. If you, if you, if you, re, you know, if he reads yeah. it with you and for you, you, you go, I, I see it. It is, it's written to, to the that's, city, but that right. would be a, a, I think an example for me of a traditioned innovation. Yep. Yeah. In fact, I love the way, you know, one of the ways that Ray phrases what he does <clears throat> in that, that account around Advent is that he simply pulled the stained glass off of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a beautiful phrase. I mean, again, it's not to diminish, you know, what the church has done with the Christmas Advent stories, but it is to say that, that every tradition begins to, you know, maybe we could say it this way, collect some barnacles um, along its, uh, its voyage. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of innovation, um, I'm convinced, is not so much something brand new that no one's ever thought about in a Steve Jobs kind of way. I mean, I appreciate that when it happens. But is it to take some of these ancient traditions and just scrape some of the barnacles away, um, right? Take some of the things off that it's collected uh, and do it in new ways. I, <clears throat> one of my favorite stories, Rick, that I think I shared with you before, but I, uh, I can't believe I did it. So I, you know, you know me, and I, to, to say that I uh, did this is is to kind of expose myself a little bit. But a number of years ago, I got an invitation to um, be on the uh, Christian, Christian British Broadcasting Network you know, morning Mm -hmm. show or something like that. Yeah. And they have a station up here in the Northwest and they uh, had had invited me because they were looking for someone who did urban work and they couldn't basically find anybody. So um, I get invited up. And of course, one of the things you have to do is write up a little biographic biography on yourself and and then they're going to read it. And so I'm sitting in the green room and next thing I know, I hear my, my name and it's, you know, um, you know, let's welcome the you know the man of God, Dave Hillis. You know who's doing extraordinary urban work. So I walk out to this huge applause, which now, by the way, I should add, um, I kind of looked over and all I saw was one older lady sitting in the seats, <laughs> and so the, the clap track had yeah. sort yeah. of taken over. And uh, again, I, I wasn't used to this, but yeah, big time. But uh, sit down in the uh, the prow of a boat, right? Because we're in the Northwest and this is kind of the way it should be. And, and they just begin to say, well, you know, it's just so great to be with you and to talk to you. And we see in your biography that you uh, you reference uh, Timothy as your, uh, you know, kind of uh, patron saint. And I said, yeah, I said, absolutely. And I said, you know, my principal reason being is that he was uh, really in some ways the first urban pastor of, of Ephesus. They said, well, you know, I mean, what a man of God he was, and look at all the great things he did, and, you know, and they begin to ask questions, and it began to head in a way that, that I had not intended to write. And so finally there was this moment, Rick, where I said, well, I said, you know, I absolutely, Timothy was a man of God, but the principal reason I, you know, asked uh, or kind of grabbed a hold of him was that when Paul is commending his faith, he only refers to his grandmother and his mother, Pops isn't a part of the equation. And uh, I said, that's important for me because I am that person. My dad was not a part of the equation. But maybe even more importantly is that uh, about 70% of the kids growing up in cities are growing up in, you know, fatherless households. 
And so the really good news of this text is that you can grow up in a fatherless household and be the Apostle Paul's kind of, you know, right hand. Yeah. Um, at this point, they're not giving me anything, right? I mean, it's just it's deer caught what in the headlights. To the, what happened to the clap track? Yeah. You know? <laughs> what happened to the clap track? And, uh, and so at some point, he steps back in and he says, well, I mean, well, you be, you believe in families, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm married, got three boys. I mean, I'm, you know, planning on staying married. I mean, I, you know, if, if, uh, if all goes well. Um, and you know, it was almost like trying to rest assured here. But then finally I just said, let me ask you this. I said, if you go from Genesis to Revelation and you look at family systems, um, would you say they're more like Ward and June Cleaver um, or the Simpsons? And, of course, this now was the end of the discussion uh, because I said, of course, you know, the answer is it's the Simpsons. Um, so we ended the interview, and suffice it to say, Rick, I've never been invited back since. Yeah, that uh, was three strikes right there, Dave. Yeah, But, but, but I part, <laughs> part of the reason I bring up that story is what was so curious to me was that we were talking about the text, um, right? We were talking yeah. about, I mean, remarkably orthodox things. Um, quoting scripture to each other, the whole bit. Um, all I did was took the text, the tradition, and applied it to a context that I think became an innovation. And so I think that's really what we're after in this tradition innovation is, is you know, how do we kind of, you know, bring these things forward that have been tested and tried um, and can become a kind of good news, right? A way of, of helping people breathe a bit bigger and broader um, yeah, and you know, what, as, as we innovate. Let me ask you this, Dave, don't, don't you, um, I have my, I have a secret answer to this, but I'm, I'm going to just try to ask you straight. <laughs> I'm going to try to you ask you without, you know, doing a question statement, you know what I, but um, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's seen, what do you, do you think that we're living a bit more in a, um, uh, what I would say a tradition rich environment or an innovation rich environment? Yeah, I mean, I um, knowing this is a trick question, I answer this carefully. But yeah, I, I think I think it's an innovation-rich environment, um, and it's it's part of the way, at least I explain the exhaustion um, mm, yeah. that is at play with everyone. I mean, I've got you know little grandkids now, and uh, you know, I I zoom with them, uh, you know, on a fairly regular basis, and. Um, it's, you can just tell, I mean, they want to show me the latest little thing that they've learned or, or whatever it might be. And what, what it actually begins to sort of fight against is just good old fashioned conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, they've got so much stimulus coming in. So, yeah, so that, that would be the way I'd answer your trick question. Yes. I mean, and <laughs> by the way, that's the correct answer. No, but I, I was thinking myself <laughs> that, you know, that we do, I think, um, have a lot of uh, input related to innovation or encouragement that way. But what we're missing is uh, an awareness of some, some tradition, you know, because yeah. when we, if once we understand a tradition, a tradition, it seems like we're kind of naturally uh, capable of, of innovating or, you know, or contexting it a little bit, but it's, it's sort of like mm -hmm. so many of us grew up in, you know, kind of tradition less uh, settings, or it was maybe we have a tradition, but it's not very robust. You know, yeah. 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 So I think that's why if we reach toward um, traditions that that are 
Well, I guess, you know, by definition, it has to be, uh, you know, not something that, that, you know, was uh, a month old, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the, the rich traditions are yeah. certainly out, out date, you know, our, you know, our lifetimes, but I think those yeah. are, those are great sources. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, always trying to tether, you know, anything that, that we do at LF back into the, you know, the person of Christ. Um, I've, I've said this before that, you know, you look at the parables and, you know, there's kind of the, <clears throat> the big ones, right? The uh, sower, you know, mm-hmm. the weeds yep. and the wheat, um, you know, all the treasure in, in your field. But one of the, one of the uh, parables that I think has held most fascination for me is it's at, towards the end of Matthew 13. And it's almost kind of a little bit of a throwaway um, it simply just says, Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of heaven uh, is like the person who goes into their house and pulls out of it that which is both old and new. Hmm. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> you know, you kind of stop, right? It's like you don't get the privilege of the sower where there's an interpretation, you know, of this. Yeah. But I, but I think there's something uh, both very profound as well as provocative uh, in that statement. And I think a part of my suspicion with Jesus, and again, the kind of response that he created was that, you know, he he rattled, you know, in some ways the traditionalists, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was a sense in which <clears throat> he was taking these things that were ancient and dear to them and, you know, re- purposing them in ways that that absolutely scandalize them in a similar kind of way I think for the zealot right that was out there waiting to kind of break the yoke of Rome and mm-hmm. you know this Judaism that had calcified they also were scandalized because it's like what the Torah I mean yeah now's now's the time to get it out from under that mm-hmm. and and just this this lovely lovely you know elegant combination of Jesus Say no, it's it's really both. It's this traditioned innovation, and yeah. that's what's going to begin to give people, I think, a kind of ballast, um, you know, by which to to make their way in this uh, pretty crazy world at times. Yeah, well, and you could see that uh, I love that word repurposed because really that um, that's what kind of rattled the traditionalists when Jesus because he he didn't uh, abandon any tradition, but he repurposed it. And uh, like you said, and I'm not sure, but I think the oldest and most reliable manuscripts actually say old and new borrowed and blue, but then they just kept the old. <laughs> I don't know where that came from with the, the wedding thing, you know, but yeah, but I do think that uh, that's an insightful text, you know, cause I don't think, I think I did sort of read over that just kind of keep going, you know, but totally what, do, what yeah. a great yeah. way to, uh, to bring some meaning out of it, a traditioned innovation. And especially when it comes to leadership. And I do think that it's a, uh, it's a natural um, kind of progression in our conversation from a non-reactive leader, you know, a discerning uh, leader, a leader that is not going to be reciprocal, but mm-hmm. still decisive, you know, and, and discerning, but 
to move toward um, what is some kind of a, uh, you know, some kind of a framework for that, that word gets used a lot, but like a, you know, a metrics that we can use uh, to understand uh, tradition and innovation yeah. together. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, <clears throat> I've said this now many times on this podcast and in other places. I mean, in some ways, the LF network is is an example of what I would describe as a tradition to innovation. Um, <clears throat> we um, early on, I think, um, recognized that one of the great, great sort of I think realities of of the Catholic Church historically, and, and not just the Catholic Church, but other denominations, <clears throat> is this notion that God in God's wonderfully abundant sovereignty gives women and men uh, mm-hmm. a particular charism, um, <clears throat> right? This gift from God. And so um, that helped me, Rick, early on uh, say, you know, what's at play here um, is the notion that there was a charism, right? That was given to Sam, then given to Reed, then given to the rest of us. Um, and of course, we've said this many times, it's seeing the city as a playground rather than a battleground. And so, you know, we used, I think, the ancient mm-hmm. language of a charism, right? This, this notion that there's just a gift from God. But, you know, the particular innovation for us was that this charism had everything to do with this, you know, current modern reality, right. which is the urbanization of the world. And it, it, I, I can't overstate how helpful it was for me not to think that LF was just some, again, quote-unquote, reaction to this current reality, um, but it was in some ways a deep and abiding response um, you know, through this thing called the charism that now allows us, I think, to kind of sit in the company, and I... I don't want to be sacrilegious here, but, you know, in the company of the Benedicts and the Ignatiuses and, you know, um, all the other saints that created these, uh, yeah. you know, these orders moving forward. And it's, it's that kind of taproot that then I think has allowed us to do, you know, really a remarkable um, uh, amount of creative things in, in the world. Yeah. And I, and yeah, I don't, it's not lost. I'm sure with our listeners that, uh, you know, that word charism which is all about gift is also uh you know the root word is is uh, kara which is joy which becomes you know part of charity which mm-hmm. becomes uh you know a charismatic you know the the uh and then what about the eucharist you know thanks the thanksgiving yeah. so the the idea of gift and joy and love right. you know are all rooted uh, together in this idea um you know that that really is a um a repurposable kind of concept because I mean, you know, bringing those things to yeah, the city yeah. uh, are, are exactly, you know, what is needed in relationship. Yeah. And the, and the other, the other tradition innovation for LF was that uh, when I took Reed's place, I instantly began to look for, you know, uh, an organizational model, right? Is there a way to kind mm-hmm. of just run this thing? Um, and it was, it was the Jesuits and it was actually Chris Lowney's book, um, Mm -hmm. you know, heroic leadership. Um, what a 450 year old company, uh, I forget what the exact title is, but Uh learned about leadership or something like that. I mean, just the title, um, was like, 
okay, here's here they they must right. know something about sustainability. I mean, we're not talking about Jesuit theology or assumptions. We're just talking about how do you keep the lights yeah, on? Yeah, four hundred fifty. This is good. This is good to months. great to be on <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, because we're like fifty-year-old organizations. <laughs> that's that's exactly. that Jim Collins wrote about. This is four hundred fifty. Yeah, totally. wow, totally. So to 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 grab his book. In fact, I was just talking to Chris the other day. I said, you know, Chris. I mean, I at times just feel absolutely like I'm line through my teeth when people come up to me today and say, wow, just so wonderful to see all the stuff that all are doing. It's like, it, it's, it's all in Chris's book. <laughs> I just took, you know, these ideas out of Chris's book. He was the one that did the hard work and hard lift of discovering what these principles were. Or and did I you innovate on tradition, them. Dave? <laughs> well, there you go, Rick. And so then I, then I think there is, um, you know, we, it was not a direct, you know, here's right. what the Jesuits do, and now here's what LF does. You know, we had to uh, repurpose in some ways, but but it's a really good example for me of just again grabbing a hold of a tradition. Um, you know, being unapologetic mm-hmm. about these women and men's yeah. shoulders who we stand on, and saying, "But we need to we need to innovate this for our time." And uh, and so that's been a another sort of tradition well, you know, the, uh, that has been helpful. The Sidious Playground podcast, roving reporter and interview genius, Noah Basket. He was the one who used a word that I wrote down um, recently. Um, and his word was uh, resituating, the, the resituation, you know. And I thought, mm-hmm. what a great word, because that is um, another way to express innovation. So you take a tradition and it's, it's in yep. a different situation, so it's a resituated tradition, and and uh, yeah. and then I think that's that, you know, is why um, what we learn, especially from the Jesuit tradition, is is uh, you know is it's portable. It's kind of yeah. So, and I think that's uh, yeah one of the things that that I yeah. I've heard uh, said about music is that it's portable truth. It's that you know it, it, you know how songs can just travel. We were talking the other day with somebody about the. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the tradition of the, uh, what am I, what am I thinking of here? It's the, like the Nazarene folks and whatever. I, my son went to Point Loma Nazarene. Yeah. And so they, he said to the, okay. to the, uh, kind of, um, chapel director there, Hey, you should have my dad come and speak. Cause he speaks in chapel all the time. And the guy said, well, is he Wesleyan? And my son <laughs> said, yeah, sure. And so I said to Matt, well, how do you know, how did you know how to answer that question? You know, uh, am I Wesleyan? And he said, well, um, we had Young Life in Gig Harbor at the Wesley Inn, which is a hotel. So he figured <laughs> we must be Wesleyan. But I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. And, you know, here, uh, John Wesley, you know, Mr. Preacher, everybody knew him. He was a famous preacher. And then Charles mm-hmm. is just this songwriter. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you think about Uh, now when's the last time you listened to a John Wesley sermon, you know, his podcasts were, you know, pretty dry. Right. But, but the songs, you know, I mean, even at Christmas time, we were singing uh, Charles Wesley's songs, you know, during the advent. So I think that there's something about um, that kind of a tradition that, that uh, has a, a portability and can be resituated. Yeah. You know, and I, I think the other thing, and we can we'll continue to pull out these ramifications, Rick, about, you know, what are some of the graces that come with a traditioned mm-hmm. innovation sort of approach? 
One of them I would just say is that it, it absolutely is an antidote to what I would describe as the chief enemy of the, uh, the soul, and that's hu- you know, hubris. Um, when you acknowledge the fact right. Right, that you didn't come up with this, um, I mean, the fact is, is that someone probably much smarter, uh, with much greater capacity, did the work, um, and you're simply inheriting um, yeah. the fruit of that work. It, it really puts, I think, some things mm-hmm. uh, kind of in perspective, and I'm, I've been very grateful for that. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I have a lot of weaknesses, but. One of them has not been a lack of gratefulness uh, for, again, uh, these these women and men who have, you know, shaped me. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing the job that I've done the last years, eleven years, yeah. apart from uh, the Jesuits. It just it's simply impossible. I, Rick, you and I have experienced this together from another angle. I mean, one of the reasons that uh, the LF staff, when COVID's not afoot, uh, has our planning retreat at Mount Angel Abbey. Oh yeah. Um, you know, here's here is a 1600 year old uh, organization, and there's something about every time we you know drive onto the property and we're going to spend our whole week there. Yeah, um, yeah. There's you know sitting in that context, um, you know, trying to come up mm-hmm. with new innovative ideas, but doing it from this deeply, deeply ancient tradition to place. Uh, I, I mean, I, LF has 188 different initiatives and programs. There are 45 leadership foundations, which is a kind of urban Pentecost. But I attribute a lot of that to the fact um, that it emanates out of this right place yeah. called Mount Angel Abbey, that we're, we're, we're thinking about these things and trying to measure these things and, you know, uh, steward these things from a place that has been stewarded and cared for. Yeah. And you know, Dave, not only does, is one of the graces, uh, you know, of finding these rich traditions, uh, you know, the, the avoidance of hubris or trying to be, you know, the, the big shot who knows everything. Um, but also it doesn't diminish, uh, it doesn't diminish uh, the tradition at all to identify it. Like I think of two things, like sometimes I'll, I'll watch a cooking show because I like to eat and uh, you know, but when they say, Hey, this, this, I built this <laughs> recipe on an experience I had and, you know, and they'll tell about, you know, where they were, they were in South America at somebody's house or something. It only, yeah. it, it doesn't diminish uh, the recipe at all. It only gives it just great, you know, meaning it, it, it expands. And, and all of a sudden yeah. when you take a bite, you're, you're biting into something bigger than just, you know, something somebody cooked up you know, at that event, but you're, you're, you're getting to be a part of the whole story. And right. uh, I remember one time, Dave, yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but um, your, your son and my son, Patrick and Grant, I remember Grant came to me and he said, dad, I have to go to New York mm-hmm. city. Like we didn't, we, you know, he had like uh, two nickels, to, you know, that was, that was his current budget. And I said, <laughs> well, what are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, Patrick yeah. and I have to go to New York city because we have to think of a, of an idea we're, 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 we need a, we need a creative idea. And I said, well, why don't you guys just get a coffee, you know, uh, you know, in Tacoma and, you know, just talk about it. He goes, dad, yeah, that's not creative space or something like, you know, he had some idea we, we have to get to. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. So we, we, we pulled together like, like our, our, uh, you know, that's mileage perfect. or whatever. And, and they went and I'm not kidding. They came right. home with some 
some things they 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 were uh, uh, next next stop after that was Pretoria, South Africa. They came up with this big idea, and I think sometimes go. when we go to the yeah. Abbey, I feel that way. Um, you know, hey, somebody could say, "Well, just get your mm-hmm. Bible and go sit mm-hmm. on a couch." You know, it's your house. I mean, you, you know, God's there. But there's there's something about um, yeah getting to be a part of this this story that that is so much bigger. I mean, generationally more profound. Yep. And I think, you know, I, I, That's I right. thank you for introducing me to that. Yeah. Oh, well, it's been, it's been a great grace in my life. And, and uh, yeah, again, just coming out of a, I, I, in some ways I almost think about it backwards, Rick. I, of course, you know, first encountered the Jesuits and the uh, Benedictines, not because I was, in search of fleshing out this traditioned innovation idea. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I relationally kind of lived into it and then began to kind of rationally, you know, think about, huh, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's something here. And, uh, and I think that's, that's been the big idea. You know, as we relationally live into these spaces, you know, we rationally begin to think about, yep, there's, there's a, there's a deep truth here. And I think this deep truth for, for LF uh, here in 2021 is is what does this yeah, tradition yeah. Well, innovation I mean, look like? Again, not to get into too many uh, uh, stories about our kids, but I, I still remember uh, my oldest son came home and he he wrote a poem called "The Urban Monk," and I go, "Oh, let me hear it." <laughs> it was about it was you have it hanging in your office there, you know. It's you know. <laughs> Uh, more, there than, you go. more than more than hanging, you know, it, it framed. He he, uh, he <laughs> experienced that, you know, that for, for from his point of view, that you had this tradition that you were introducing him to, but this, but you were innovating it in yeah. in the urban setting, you know, and so I think that's uh, that's what's happening. Yeah, well, it's funny. Part of what what Matt ran into again was something that that you know, comes out of the ancient text and, you know, Revelation where um, John says, now, you know, let my prayers come mm-hmm. up before mm-hmm. you like incense, you know, uh, in heaven. Uh, and I just remember going, I'm, I'm not a good prayer, but, mm-hmm. but I get lighting incense. And so one of the things I've done for probably, I don't know, 20 years now is the first, you know, five minutes in my office is, uh, is lighting incense and um, a very, again, traditioned, ancient deal. But the innovation is uh, a quick mm-hmm. prayer for the LF Global Network. And um, there's something about knowing, you know, as that incense goes up, uh, I, I deeply believe that God is hearing these prayers, these maybe ancient prayers for this uh, organization that's working yeah. in the well, urban Yeah, well, just so you know, century. Dave, we have a, uh, a, I built this little mantle thing that goes over our fireplace. And, uh, so, uh, Marvely went and we have about 30 candles on it now. And yeah, I said, Hey, uh, what's happening nice. with, with the candles? And she, she said, we're, we're putting together our own, uh, Abbey situation here, you know? So, you know, because since we're not able to go, we're kind Lovely. of turning, <laughs> we're turning that. And there's something about that. Uh, even that idea, uh, because yeah. this, you know, the, the candle, um, is an, another enduring symbol, you know, of, uh, invocation mm-hmm. and prayer. And also, you know, just, uh, there's something about when, when you are, uh, in a space where, you know, you either light a candle or have candles, you know, there's, there's a, you can innovate on that tradition as well. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. You know, the, you know the other, and maybe kind of last thing I'd say a bit about the, what tradition to innovation has done is it really pulls into, I think, a sort of present reality, uh, something that sits in the creeds, and it's that line of, you know, we're mm-hmm. a part of a communion of saints. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, again, going back to the Abbey, when we're sitting there as a LF staff and the way we break up the day, Rick, is we will um, kind of put our whole schedule around, you know, yeah. the, uh, the praying of the hours, right? The, the five times when the monks gather. And so that's great. But the uh, <clears throat> uh, way that the monks, of course, you know, welcome and, and let everybody know that they are, uh, you know, it's time for prayer is the bell tower rings. And there's this moment where we'll be around our laptop computers and, you know, everybody's talking about what kind of technology we need. And all of a sudden, it's like the bell comes on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody drops what they're going to do. Uh, now, not everyone's required to go to the, you know, the prayer time. But minimally, um, what everybody, I think, recognizes is that here again is a is a community of saints that's mm-hmm. going to take varying degrees of time uh, to pray for a whole host of things of which though we are one of those things that they pray for. Right. And you think about the kind of work we do, um, it can be so desperately difficult and lonely. And is there, you know, is there anybody that is on my side? And to be able to pause for just a moment and, and recognize that communion of saints, Mm -hmm. right. That is a part of our tradition. Uh, in both the heavens and in here on earth. And, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes that's all I need uh, just to get through, you know, perhaps another day. Um, and so that's that's been another real gift and grace of tradition to innovation. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've been, I, I can recognize exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, I've been there and it's that, that bell, I think it wasn't a Hemingway who, you know, did the, uh, you know, the bell tolls for me, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, sort of mm-hmm. apocalyptic picture, but that, that bell kind of does that same thing. You know, it's an in- invitation. It's mm-hmm. just an invitation to come. And, yep. um, you know, even when uh, there's been a few times where you think, well, I could get it. I maybe when everybody goes, I'll, I'll get a few things done here in everyone's absence. And then, right. no, it's not worth it. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? It's not worth it. So I think that we want our podcast to be that bell for uh, those who are listening. We want you to know that you're invited into this conversation. Um, we are going to continue in in this vein and on this series of tradition innovation. And we're going to start talking about some of the things we have learned, some of the uh, strategy or whatever you would, I guess you'd call them, um, you know, the traditions that, that we, uh, that we can innovate and repurpose mm-hmm. and uh, we can resituate uh, and especially uh, ones that, that come from these ancient traditions. So that's where we're going to head for our podcast for the next uh, several podcasts. And we want to invite you to come along. If you've got any questions or ideas, uh, info at leadershipfoundations.org you can always uh, reach out to us or any other way you can think of. And uh, so we appreciate you being a part of this and uh, we wish you a wonderful uh, emerging 2021 mm. and uh, and I, I think that together um, we would never have imagined 
what last year was like. And I think uh, in the same sense, uh, uh, we can be surprised by how yep. God will lead us in, in this next year. Yep, absolutely. All right, thanks, Dave. Thank you, Rick.